Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. I spent years, when I was 18 years old, I encountered the Lord, and I won't go into the story, many of you have heard it, but I encountered the Lord in my car one night in such a real way. I can, I can never turn back. I've stumbled, I've fallen, I've made mistakes, even gone off course a few times. But when you encounter God, it ruins you. If you ever look at somebody like me and think, he's a, you know, crazy or he's a nut or he's a, a zealot, the only problem is you just need to encounter the Lord a little bit more and you'll be crazy too. I mean, man, when you, when you come in contact with the living one, how do you just go on about business? And this is why for years, you know, I've had people that they, they'll just say things like, well, we wish you would just do the service this way and we wish you would do it that way. I don't know how to do it any other way than what God's telling me to do and I don't want to do it any other way. Man, I just want to be, I want to love God. And on the flip side of that, I've had so many people say, thank you for just being real. Thank you for allowing the Holy Ghost to move. You know what we're learning how to do? We're learning how to govern the moving of the Spirit with His people to where what He wants to happen will manifest right here. And you don't get there overnight. We've even gotten where we're at overnight. And we've got months and years to come. And we're going to see tremendous things. And I just look at where we're at right now. And when I was younger in the Lord, I thought it would look a particular way. And pretty much anything you think how it's going to look, it pretty much never turns out like that. But I can tell you now it's better with God. It's always better with God. He knows what we need how we need it, when we need it, how much to give us. He's really, really, really wise. And so I have learned and I'm learning to just walk in step with him, but to not lose sight of what we are after. And if I could, if I could boil it down to two things that we're after, in here, I want us to encounter the glory of God. And this morning, we have done that. There's a, there's a glory resting in this room. It wasn't because of particular songs or it wasn't because of anybody's special voice, but have amazing musicians, praise God. I'm so thankful for that. It wasn't because of any of that. It's because of the presence of God that's here and us cooperating with him. That's the thing I want for us here. And then beyond that, I want us to to shake our entire region. Sometimes people want to grab hold of the whole world and we've got international in our name. I'm believing God for the whole world. If you're not believing God for the whole world, you're believing too small. Because Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say just go into one community. He said, go into the entire world. So we've been commissioned here. We've been commissioned with these people. And so what I want to see is I want to see our entire region shaken with the power of God. You hear me? I want to see it shaken with the power of God. Not with the power of Kent. Not with the power of just a good teacher. Not with the power of 
a good church service or even, even just loving people. I mean, I love loving people. You guys are some of the most loving people I've ever been around. And that's part of it because we've got the love of God in here. It's powerful. Social distance, nothing. Come back together, people hugging on each other. It's the way it's supposed to be, amen? And I don't care who's listening on live stream. That's what church people do. They love each other. They hug on each other. You know, it's not just that. It's the power of God coming in, working through us to shake an entire region. Read Wigglesworth, Finney, Lake, Branham, whoever else, Moody, and all of the other great men in the past. How about Peter, James, John, Paul, and Jesus? That's what I'm after. You want to say, what's, what's your heart? What, are you, what do you really want? I want to see a move of God. I want to see God awaken people. I want to see God do something in my day and in my time and in my region. And it's fair to say that he's already done everything. True, he's given us everything. But so really what we're looking for is for us to be awakened to a level that our cooperation with heaven goes to a level that we've never seen before, that we've never experienced personally, but we've read about, we've witnessed with the people in the past, that we've read their testimonies. And when you read in the book of Acts, and I know I'm saying something that I've said a bunch, but I'm going to continue saying it, and I'm going to continue saying it, and I'm going to continue saying it until the vision on the inside of you is at least as big as the vision on the inside of me. Until you wake up every day and you go to bed every night and you have this first and foremost. And I'm preaching to myself because I'm not 100% where I need to be, but I'm a whole lot closer than where I was. But I'm going to keep preaching it and saying it and teaching and, and acting on it and moving in it until we all come to this place to where we are so dissatisfied with everyday normal life that we have to have God. We have to have his presence we have to have the glory of God because the reality is, is that we need to reach the entire world. And it's been prophesied for years about a billion soul harvest. I believe in a billion soul harvest. But what I don't believe is that we can do it by, in, in the same vein or the same way that we've been doing things. The church is asleep. The church is interested in programs. The church is interested in, in timely services. The church is interested in all kinds of neat package stuff. God's not interested in that. I found that, that God, he, he looks at a lot of church services, and I've pastored some of them, and praise God, we've moved past that. But he looks at a lot of church services, and he's really not interested in what's going on because they're not interested in what he wants and how he wants to move, and the things that he wants to say. And I'm not saying we do it perfect, but what I am saying is we're moving that direction. And I'm not being hard on any of those people. I believe that there's a lot of great being done, but I want what God wants. I want God to say what he wants to say. I want to see miracles in my day. I want to see tremendous healings in my day. God's called us to that. That is our mandate. That's resting on me, and it's resting on you. Whatever's stirring in me should be stirring in you, too. You shouldn't be sitting here going, boy, I guess he's rattling off on that again. Every time I talk about miracles and the power of God and the supernatural and praying in tongues and any of those kind, all of that, something should stir in you to say, I want, I want that. I want more of that. I want to see more of that. I want more of that vision stirring in my heart. That's what should happen on the inside of you. Not so you can be like me, but so you can be like the, the, the portion of Jesus that he's placed inside of you to where that comes to its fullness. 
We cannot, if we don't have a vision to reach our community and to reach beyond that wherever the Lord leads, then our vision is either small or wrong. And when I'm talking about reaching them, I'm not just talking about giving them a glass of water, although that's important sometimes, or giving them shoes or whatever, although all those things are important sometimes, and they can be a, a doorway into people's lives. But if all we go in is give them a, do is give them a glass of water and some shoes and some food, and we don't tell them about Jesus, they don't encounter the living one that we get to encounter, what in the world are we doing? We're only giving them monetary or, or uh, earthly things that they might need. Again, I'm not against that, but there has to be something in us that says, I want more. I want to see more manifest. Because you see, Peter and John, when they were at the gate beautiful, the man that was there that had been lame, I believe it was like 30 some odd years. And he said, do you have, they asked, he said, do you, do you guys have any money? And he said, silver and gold, have I none? And that didn't mean they didn't have any money. Some people say, take that and they say, well, you're, see, you're like Peter and John, we're not supposed to have money. We're, I'm not into that prosperity stuff. That's garbage. The more money you got, the more people you can bless, the more the gospel you can send around the world. They just left their bag of gold at home is all that that means. They said, silver and gold, have I none? But such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, let me ask you something. When's the last time, now I don't want to see a show of hands. This is a question for you to ask yourself. When's the last time that you walked up to a situation that was in need and you were as bold as the early day disciples, as bold as Wigglesworth, as bold as Lake or any of the other guys? And ladies too, Catherine Kuhlman, tremendous woman of God. When's the last time you were that bold? You say, well, I can't remember. When's the last time you were dissatisfied that you had a holy dissatisfaction with not seeing kingdom results in your life? When's the last time that you went before the Lord and said, God, I see this in your word. I want this. See, the, 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 the church, is, it's almost like a, a veil has been laid over it. And I'm telling you, in Jesus' name, it's going to be lifted. The church has had a veil like laid over it to where they think that their level is like here, when really Jesus is saying, and God's saying, your level is way up there. And if just like what Liz was saying, if we act like royalty, if we think like royalty, if we really thought like that, we would think different. We would speak different and our lives would go in a completely different direction. We are called to this. We are called to, to the power of God. We're called to miracles. We're called to do great things. Yes. You understand that? That is your calling. Amen. And if that freaks you out, you need to be freaked out just a little bit. If it doesn't freak you out, press into it in Jesus' name. Get before the Lord. Get on your face and say, God, make, I want this to be about me and you and me coming into a greater awakening revelation of who I am and what you've given me. I appreciate the people that, that would tell me that you're like a great man of God and I want to follow you. I appreciate that. But do you know what I want to do? I want to be like Jesus. And what Jesus did was he found some people that were willing to just say, yes, will you come and follow me? And then take those people and raise them up to where they operate in the power of God, to where they get kingdom results, to where they're walking in it. Yes. See, it was for the common folk. Amen. But because they started to see that they weren't just common folk, but they had a royal identity, they too operated in the same power that Jesus operated in. 
There was, there was a hunger that was stirring in them. They were fishermen, a good percentage of them. One was a tax collector. He was doing by what a lot of people think was evil. Nowadays, a lot of people think the same thing too about tax collectors. <laughs> they were just people. But yet they, they forever, when you read the book of Acts, and some people say, is it the Acts of, of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit? It was the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, praise God. You read the book of Acts, it's about what God did through people. It's always been about what God would do through people. If it was just about the Holy Spirit doing something, then it wouldn't have been any people involved. I was preaching one time. I won't say where because people, it's amazing. The amount of people that will hear you on live stream, it seems like there will only be a handful watching, and they'll go, I, I heard you say that. And I'm like, I had no idea you were even watching. <laughs> but this, this guy came up to me, and I had known him from when I was uh, very young. And we we're both in a particular denomination. And um, he came up to me and he heard me talking about the supernatural and keys to operating and flowing in the supernatural I was, I was teaching. It was really powerful stuff, man. I mean, I, I wanted to buy the tape and listen to it again. Of course, I listen to all my stuff all, all the time, but it's just me and Jesus. And then it comes out when I'm up here, amen. So I get a, I get a pretty good earful a lot. I believe, I preach the word all the time by myself. You should try it sometimes. It'll really, really help you. You say, well, I can't preach. Yes, you can. Open up your mouth and watch what God does. It's powerful. And so anyways, this guy came up to me, and I was, I was hoping that he would say, man, I needed to hear what you have to say. But he said, let me just tell you something. And I thought, oh, here it goes. The older guy is straightening the younger guy out. Listen, when someone's encountered the Lord, don't try to straighten their doctrine out. Encourage them that they've encountered the Lord, and my doctrine wasn't wrong, by the way, but encourage them that they've encountered the Lord, and as long as people keep sticking with Jesus, Jesus will straighten their doctrine out. Jesus will straighten people out, amen? But he came up to me, and he goes, just promise me one thing. I said, sure, what's that? He said, that you'll always give God the glory, and you won't take it on yourself. I said, yeah, I can't do any of this stuff. This is all Jesus. I can't do any of it. And so it's like people, we have been trained in a lot of denominational churches and a lot of different groups that if you're being bold and you're speaking the truth and you're stepping out, that you're taking glory on yourself. Folks, there's a difference between you taking glory and you being confident in what God's called you to. I tell you now, I don't have anything to offer. Me and of myself, I'm nothing. But man, what I got in Jesus is awesome. Notice that Peter and John didn't say, we don't have any silver and gold, but let us just pray and see if thou as father will stretch out his hand on this worthless worm and somehow use me. No, they said, silver and gold, we don't got any money, but such as I have, what we have, what we possess, what's on the inside of us, we're going to give it to you. They were possessed. <laughs> they were possessed with the right spirit. They were possessed with the right attitude, with the right mindset. And because of that, here we are roughly 2,000 years later, and we still talk about them week in and week out. We talk about those guys and what they did, what the Holy Spirit did through them. 
I was thinking about something this past week, pretty hard and heavy. Uh, Katie and I, and this was, the Lord just told me to do it. And I said, do you want to come along? She's going to go with me. And I'm not the, just so you know, I'm not the guy that goes in front of a grave and will just sit and sulk like that. You know, people, when they're, when they're in the grave, they're, they're gone. But the Lord, I really felt impressed to go and visit all of my grandparents' graves. I've only been to one of them that I can remember. And so Katie and I are going to take like a two-day trip around Missouri and up over in Kansas City and, and come back and to see a few family members in there. I just felt really impressed by the Lord. And then when I got to thinking about it, Liz and I were out for a walk the other day. I could only think out of any grandparents or great-grandparents that I had, that I had heard of, because I never met any of my great-grandparents, but out of all of my grandparents... And my great-grandparents, I only know one grandparent or great-grandparent that had any influence spiritually into our family. Only one out of all of the, because we got a bunch of steps, regular steps, some great steps, and then all of the biological ones, probably, I don't know, 12, 15, only one of them does their voice still ring from the grave anything worth speaking? And that's no, so people would say, you should show some respect. I'm just being honest. And the only one, and you guys have heard me talk about my mama, powerful woman of God, and she's gone on home to be with the Lord. But the only one that had any impact, the only great-grandparent or grandparent, was her grandma that used to teach her how to pray and have a relationship with Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> so this Grandma Birdie, who I never knew, and by the way, it was my mom's grandma on her dad's side. So my mom's dad is who that was, and he was as heathen at pretty much as they came. And so the grandma, who had pretty much a heathen son, he might have been born again. I'm not trying to judge his heart. I'm just telling you what I saw. <laughs> had no spiritual influence in his daughter's life, but the grandparent did. And then my mom reaped the benefits of it. And I'm standing here today because of that. And this caused me to think really long and hard about what I am doing with my life. You say, man, you're, you're pastor and you're preaching. You're... Yeah, but there's a lot of pastors and preachers that pass away and people are thankful when they're gone because they're mean, they're rude, they're nasty, they're ugly. They only care about themselves. Come on, you ever, you've probably met someone like that. I've met a few. I want for the people that I have, that God has placed in my sphere, if it's only 10 people that I impact in my whole life, that I'm going to impact those people the very best that I can all of my life, primarily my own household, my own family. I'm going to impact them the most. But then all of the people that I come in contact with inside of ministry, outside of ministry, I want the legacy that I leave to be one 
that when I'm in the grave, people will say, he really loved me. I am so glad that he ministered to me the way that he did. I'm so willing that he was willing to stop and ask me if I was okay or to whatever the situation is. That's something that every single one of you need to ask that question. And when you start there before you know it, you'll be standing at a pulpit saying, let's take over the whole world like I feel like I do every week. <laughs> we'll start with Perryville. See, you either, to, to continue doing that, and like our church is, you know, quite a bit bigger than when we first started, but for almost nine years being here, we're not that much bigger. So you either got to be a complete nut job to keep saying the same thing, or you have to be so moved by faith. You have to be so moved by God and so un, uh, unrelenting, so relentless in your pursuit of God's heart that you would continue saying and believing the same thing week after week after week after week, month after month after month, year after year after year after year, still believing that God's going to use you to touch your people, to touch your generation, to touch your children and even your grandchildren and even your great-grandchildren that God could use you because you're so connected with Jesus that you've got something so real and authentic on the inside of you. You've got a fire that, that's, that's going on the inside of you that can't be quenched, that can't be cut out, that when people are around you, they just pull from the anointing that's inside of you, that you're the one that touches your family. You're the one that touches and reaches your generation. It's not just the preacher guy. It's not just the evangelist, but it's you. You make it a personal thing of God. I'm going, I'm making a decision to reach people and touch people in my life and in my generation. And I think sometimes we're, we're waiting for like this huge tent to be thrown up and all of the people to just supernaturally run into it and run to the altar and get saved. That could happen, but most likely it's going to be faithful saints who are so filled and touched with the power and the fire and the glory of God that when they come together, they minister to one another and they go out and they can't help but to be the change agent for everybody around them. So moved and motiv motivated by the love of God, but yet with a vision in their heart that when I go in the grave one day, people are going to say about me, he loved God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. What will they say about you? That's the question to ask yourself. What are they going to say about me? If I had had my flesh way years ago, and then I had died, I'm just being honest with you, my kids would have said, he really liked cars. He really liked to work around the house and, you know, do construction projects. He really liked to go on vacations. He really liked to go to baseball games. He really liked to play hockey. Nothing wrong with any of those things, but that's not what I want people to say about me. I want people to say he was so devoted to his family, but to the Lord in everything that he said, that he talked about, that he breathed, uttered the heart of God in his life. Everything that he was about was about the kingdom. And I thank God that I've got some more years to do better. But that's what I want people to say about me. And that got, that got in me so deep just in this past week, 
that there's gonna, there will come a point when they're going to visit my grave. I hope. Actually, I don't really care. Once I'm dead, I really don't care. <laughs> but when they think back about my life, what are they going to say? Anybody in here ever reminisce about people in your life that, that you cared about, that went on before you? And think about what the kind of things that you say about them. And you don't mean to be disrespectful or dishonoring, but I don't want people to just tell me that I was a good hockey player. Or I was a good hockey player, by the way, for those who don't know. That's not what I want people to say about me. I want them to say, man, he was passionate about Jesus. And in the midst of people for years continually saying, you don't know what you're doing. You're too this, that, or the other. He still stood up and did what God asked him to do. That's what I want to be said about me. And I want it to be said because it was true, not because they're trying to be nice at my funeral. Yeah, yeah I, I was at a funeral and, and the person that had passed away, they really weren't that nice. And the preacher who did not know this woman that had passed away said, because see, they'll say nice things about you when you're dead. It doesn't mean it's true. He said, she was a good Baptist woman. I'll never forget. It was ch- I'm not even exaggerating. She was a good Baptist woman. And I was like, did she go to church? I was like, first of all, I don't think she went to church because I never knew her to go to church. And second of all, I never knew her to be really all that good. She was kind of, you know, whatever. So people might lie about you at your funeral. But then what happens when the funeral's done and a little bit of time has passed and they're really talking about you, what are they going to say? This is a good question. This is absolutely nothing to do. I'm flowing with the Holy Ghost. You all right with that? This has nothing to do with what I was going to share. I've had a message for three weeks that I've been trying to teach, and the Holy Ghost just keeps getting in the way of my agenda, but that's okay. <laughs> there needs to be something stirred in us to where we come back to, to having a heavenly perspective, having an eternal perspective, having a kingdom perspective. Do we not get so caught up in things that are one day never? They're, they're, they're gonna, when we perish, they're going to perish too. So many things we get so worried about. Man, things we get so caught up in, situation, issues, problems. I've had things where I've been so upset before, and then three, three weeks down the road, I'll remember being upset, but I couldn't tell you what I was upset about. You ever been there before? And what does that tell you? We're just a little too focused on earthly things. Hey, you got to take care of your stuff. Take care of your home. Take care of your family. Treat people well and have nice things. All that. That's all fine. But what are we really after in life? What's our hot pursuit in life? Someone could hear this and go, I just, I feel like he was just so hard on us today. No, I just, I just want you to dig deep and think. There should be, we, would people say about us 
it shouldn't be, honestly, it shouldn't be, they go to that church over there. It should be, there's a whole bunch of them, just like a bunch of fanatics. They're just a bunch of crazy people. And I'm not saying we want that, but I'm saying when the world sees what God does, they don't understand it. And so their, their communication about what they see about us should be different. It should be that they really love people. It should be that they really care about people. But it also should be they just got something different going on over there. And they might even say you're involved with a cult. Because I've had a whole bunch of them say in this past year, well, we broke the record in 2020 for how many people have called us a cult as far as the ones that I've known of. You know what a cult leader does? A cult leader will tell you something and then say, take my word for it. And what if I said over and over and over and over and over and over and over, et cetera, et cetera, again and again and again. You go to the word of God, you search it out for yourself, and you find out whether these things be true. Amen. But people will say strange things about things that they don't have any understanding about. Amen. I don't normally like to shoot from the hip this much, but I just felt impressed that it was cowboy day, and we just... Whatever. I should have worn my boots. It's getting thick in here, isn't it? Man, everything doesn't have to be so structured. Man, I go to, I, when I go to structured things, well, yes, I, I'm stewarding this pulpit. I can say it. When I go to really like things that are just so like this, I, I literally can't relate. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what to do with this. You know how you, you visit family or something and you go to their church with them and, and praise God and honor them. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But then they're just, they're, they're so stiff. It's like, I, I, wait a second, this is about me and Jesus having a relationship. I don't, what are we doing here? Sing three songs and sit down, then stand up, then go home. And you know what happens? People go out the door and their lives are not changed. They're in hot pursuit after everything else in this life except for him. I don't want that. I don't want that for me and I don't want that for you. I want you to walk out feeling encouraged and strengthened, but also to feel challenged. I think any good minister can, can help you do those things. will encourage you to do those things. We should be challenged. What are we really in pursuit after? I mean, this is like, this is bare bones question here. What are we really in pursuit after? I keep saying that because I know the Holy Ghost probably is pressing on at least half of your hearts to ask yourself this question. What am I really in pursuit after? What am I really after? Am I after what God is after? Am I concerned about his heart? Or am I just going through life? You can go through. Here's the most amazing thing. God, is, he's so loving. Man, he's awesome. And when we first come into the kingdom of God, we know him as, I believe, generally speaking, father first. And why is that? Because you either get, well, you do get born into the kingdom, right? But he also talks about how that we are adopted, which means that we weren't, his biologically, but he just brought us in anyways. Praise God for that. He's a loving dad. He's a loving God. But there has to come a point in your life to where you stop 
You don't ever stop letting God love you, but you, you stop stopping at that place. And then you move over and go, okay, not only are you my father, but you're also my commander in chief. You're also the general in my life. You're the number one. As the Bible puts it, you're Lord. A lot of people accept Jesus as one that loves him, but not one, not as one that can command their life. Huge, huge difference. Night and day difference. You can come forward, have a feeling and say, Jesus, I need you. I have to have you. I need to be saved. And you get saved and praise God for that. And he's so loving. No matter how you act, he's not going to kick you out of the family. You don't kick your, some of your goofy kids out of the family, do you? <laughs> no, they're still, you're still part of the, the household of God. But the ones who are productive, who cause things to happen, who cause things to change, are the ones that go and say, I want to have your heart in whatever you tell me to do. I'll obey what you tell me to do. I'm telling you, God is my witness. 90% of the body of Christ, probably much lower number in here, but 90% of the body of Christ has never done that. They only know him as Savior. They do not know him as Lord. They cannot honestly, they could say, but they couldn't honestly say, I will do anything that God wants me to do in any part of my life because it all belongs to him. Most people couldn't say that. And it's really because we get so wrapped up in our everyday life and everything that's going on. And it's, most of it's not evil. I guarantee you, probably every person in here, what you do day in and day out isn't evil. If it is, quit doing it, amen. <laughs> but it's not bad, but it's not with a, a total surrender to the Lord to say, whatever you are about, that is what I'm about. This message right here is how you, this is what I call a Gideon message, and I'm going to finish with this. Didn't even know I was going to preach it today. This is reducing to strength. Sometimes we have to allow the Lord to prune us and reduce us personally to strength, but I've never been interested in quantity over quality. I literally know how. I know, I know the gimmicks, and I'm not coming against those people. I love people. I love, I have a passion for pastors. I really do. But I know how to do all the gimmicks and stuff to where we could have, we could have by this point had 500 people in this church. I'm telling you, I know how to do it. I've learned how to work a crowd well enough to be able to do it. But for What? For what? Amen. To come in, love you, love you, love you, love you, sing a few songs, maybe encounter the Lord, maybe not. Never talk about the Holy Ghost, and if you do, it's in a back room somewhere. Gifts of the Spirit, mm, a little too charismatic-y for me. 
I went to service one time when it was totally out of order, and we are not having that here. Okay, so you totally shut it all off. off. Gideon had an army. And I forget, I think it was 10,000 people that he, many started out with. And he went through the process and he got down to 300 people. But he had 300 strong, mighty, valiant warriors who were legit. They were in all the way, baby. They had everything and their heart was with him. And they could do what they were supposed to do. I'm fine with reducing to strength. God will take care of us with few people. I know we'll grow in numbers, but I, when we grow in numbers, I want it to be strong people. Well, you, know, you say, what's a, what's a strong person? Is that someone that's got, got all of the talent and everything? Forget about talent. It's all about heart. It's about Jesus. My life belongs to you. I've been in some of the most anointed services and been around some of the most anointed people that were the least talented. It was like, man, that was a rough note or whatever, but Jesus, you're here, wow. And then I've been in some places to where it was so crisp and clean, and it was just like, what are we doing here? Because they're not interested in what God is interested in. Do you know that Jesus, it says this in the book of Revelation, it says that to each one of the churches, he says, I know your works. And when he was saying, I know your works, if you go and you study that out, because remember he, John had a, had a you know, revelation and he was writing to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Philadelphia, Thyatira. I thought I could name it all and impress you, but I can't remember the other two. Anyways, those seven churches. And he said, I know your works. And when he was saying no, he was saying, I personally, firsthand, know your works because I've walked amongst you. I read that realizing that Jesus knows my works. He, he's here walking and looking and seeing what we're doing. Five out of the seven churches there in Revelation, he uh, reprimands. Only two of them he didn't reprimand. And so you know what? I look at that, and it says, to the angel of the church of, to the angel of the church of, to the angel of the church of. You look up the word angel, it's the Greek word angelos or angelos, and it just means a messenger. It wasn't actually an angel because angels aren't stewards over churches. Fivefold leadership is pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, right? They're the ones that God set. So he says, to the angel, the head messenger of that church, I write to you. And he says in five of them, I have this against you. I don't want Jesus walking in the midst of the church that he's called me to steward and say, Kent, you've done some of these things good over here, but I have this against you. When you can come to that place to where you're, you can look at the word and be that real with it, you fear God more than you fear man. I've had a lot of people, I can honestly say, Concerning the direction in my life, I've had a lot of people that don't believe in me, they don't like me, <laughs> they've told me, whatever. Other than God dealing with some things in me personally, just helping me through things, whatever, I've never had God say, I am so displeased with the way you're leading. Why? Because I fear him every single step of the way. 
God, what do you want? What you want, that's what I want. But it's not just as a pastor, it's as a person, as a Christian, as somebody in relationship with him. Do you fear God? Or are you just concerned about the natural things of life? It's the question to ask. It's the question of the hour. Amen? Everybody understand I'm not being hard, just being real? Show me a great big smile. Hallelujah. Would you stand and just let me pray over you and bless you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for this revelation, being totally surrendered and committed to you, that our hearts burn and yearn for you and your will and your heart and what you want, Jesus. We want to know you as Lord, not just Savior, but as Lord. Everything belongs to you. We're only stewards of this life. We're only stewards of the breath in our body. It doesn't even belong to us. God, it belongs to you. May every word, may every step, may every cell in our beings be totally sold out and surrendered 100% to you. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.